Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more right now at Park Power.ca. We don't often talk about current events here on the podcast. We're not a current events podcast. No. Um, we explicitly are kind of designed to be listened to at any point. Yeah, whenever. Yeah, you could be going back today and listening to our Meddling Kids episodes, which were our first episodes from years ago. Years ago. And we don't want them to be explicitly dated or anything. But um, I will say that it's a scary time for a lot of people. And uh, we appreciate when you take a little bit of your time during the week to listen to our podcast. And hopefully our little labor of love mom and pop podcast gives you a little bit of joy <laughs> A little bit of escape, uh, whatever you need during your week to to help you unwind and relax a little bit. And so I know I say it at the end of every episode, but we do love you. We do thank you for tuning in and uh, we appreciate your time. Yeah, we happen to know <laughs> very well that sometimes books are a really nice form of escapism and we hope to enhance your escapism. Yeah. And make it even better, maybe prolong it a little. That's kind of. We just want to make you happy. That's kind of the point of what we do. Yeah, we overanalyze a book. <laughs> uh, Irresponsibly so. For for hopefully your enjoyment and for our enjoyment and uh, yeah. So thank you once again for joining us in our read along, and uh, we heart you very much indeed. So with that said, back to our horror novel, <laughs> to our grisly, gory horror novel. Brief recap of our previous chapter in which a very tense breakfast was had in the ship's galley. We are mostly introduced to much of the rest of the cast. And then one of our two protagonists makes their way to data analysis, while another crewman finally went up to the bridge to check it out. And that more or less leads us into chapter five of Screams from the Void by Ann Tibbetts. titled my notes, A Bit of Everything. Yeah, this chapter is kind of scattered. It's a little all over the place. Yeah, we jump around a bit. Uh, not only do we jump around from different points of view throughout the chapter, we also travel back in time Ooh. to start the chapter. We get a little flashback to a month ago. Now, it is worth noting, we totally nailed Morvin. Oh, yeah. It was so obvious, though. I'm not even going to take credit for it. Like, that's not even clever. It was blatant. Yeah. He was totally her ex, and we all knew it. And this... 
little flashback confirms it. This is the time that a month ago he kind of came crawling back tentatively to try to maybe smooth things over and get back with Reyna. Yeah, fortunately, she was having none of it. Yeah, I mean, she was tempted. Well, because you're always tempted. Like, especially when the breakup is fresh. Yeah. Right? You're always kind of tempted. Well, and he's showing her his good side, but she pretty much spells out that he's got a violent temper. And she sees right through it. Yeah. Yeah. Affected by it, but still sees through it. And she's like, nope. Yeah. Nope. Don't do it. Be strong. Be she strong, hold, girl. She holds firm and shuts him down. And he takes it about as well as one would expect oh, him to take turns it. on a dime. Yeah, and you'll pay for this. This is all your fault. This is typical abusive boyfriend behavior. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So my earlier assessment was right was probably very wrong that it was like a dom sub situation. Well, it might still be. Uh, we it don't, might still be. We don't know what he went around in the in the following month telling everybody on the ship. Right. Fair enough. Whether or not that is the case, he is still clearly an abusive boyfriend. Oh, for sure. He also like lays out that very cryptic, I'll show you, I'll show you all comment, which you touched on. Yeah. Um, so he's not our murderer. <laughs> Too obvious. It is very obvious, yes. Yeah. I'm banking on not him. Uh, but it could be a swerve. It could be him. I mean, it could be a swerve, but it usually isn't. Murdering everyone on the ship is a pretty extreme thing to do to show up your ex-girlfriend, though. Right? Yeah. Right? Just saying. Also, when you set up someone as a major a-hole, it's very satisfactory when the alien slices them in two. Assuming that the alien slices them in two. You don't, you don't think our alien's going to slice him in two? I'm just saying, there's plenty of book left. I know. And we'll get to the alien in a bit. Uh, just another quick point, though, before we move on. There was a, a note that Reyna has in this chapter, a, a little mental thought. She might have even said it to Morvin, where she mentions that uh, the captain had actually advised that they stay away from one another, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. What? It just it shows that their relationship was known on the ship and that the captain is responsible enough to recognize the bad breakup for what it is and be like, you should probably have duties away from one another for a while. Yeah, you two should clearly have some space so that you don't make things awkward and terrible for everybody else. Yeah, like there's, on the one hand... Uh, an element of you're both professionals, you should act professionally on board the ship. But there's also just that little bit of personal element of like, you know what, I see what went on there, let's keep you apart for a little while. Yeah, well, you can be a professional, but you're still a human being with, you know, emotions. <laughs> Reading into it a little bit, that shows that while we kind of had an opinion of the captain coming into this chapter, but that shows that the captain's not terrible. No. He's aware of what's going on with his crew. He's willing to put down some some orders to keep things relatively stable and sane on board the ship. Like that demonstrates to me that he's not terrible at his yeah. job. Yeah. He's being a, a captain. Yeah. yeah exactly. Unlike unlike some people on this crew, the captain is not necessarily terrible at his job. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, all that being said, we now jump back to quote unquote present day. Yeah, we start off the chapter with Pollux, who's had a half hour nap, kind of. Maybe. But can't nap anymore. And basically, uh, actually, actually, at one point thinks, I should probably go to Valda and ask about this terrible rash, but he'll just order me back to bed, and that is unacceptable. Okay, okay. Pollux so, has some issues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pollux is so clearly unwell and so Deeply in denial about it. Like, unwell in myriad ways. And so horribly in denial about it. I question how she functions as a human being. There's a comment she has in this chapter about how her mom used to tell her that basically, like, weakness was for girls. 
I genuinely, I genuinely cannot come up with a, a singular word to describe all of her issues at once. Yeah, and there's definitely a sort of macho bravado involved in her attitude right now, where she, as you say, is clearly unwell, is cognizant of the fact that she is unwell, but is determined to continue to, like, power through it. Yeah, no wonder she has a rash. It's probably a stress rash. <laughs> She's probably given herself hives. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. Pollux is a competent enough botanist to recognize that it's some sort of allergic reaction. And cortisone cream apparently has not helped. Uh, Which terrifies me. Yeah. Because if it's stronger than cortisone cream, then it's probably pretty serious. But this, not just that, this shows a, a serious breach of protocol too, because they've mentioned that there are like quarantine protocols to keep foreign bodies from coming on board. Well, yeah. Pollux is walking around with a rash. Yes. <laughs> and it's just like, it's no big deal. It might be a big deal. She might be super contagious. She might be the reason why Avram is sick. She doesn't even know what it is. Yeah. That's I, what I mean. I, like, how does she function? I have a weird alien skin condition. No big deal. Oh, it's fine. It's I'm just fine. a little itchy and hot and angry and sleepy all the time. No big deal. <laughs> now, as Pollux makes her way to get on with her botany shift... She does note the yellow alert and has a brief moment of narcissism where she assumes that it's about her and is like, ugh, typical. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. You're fine. Yeah. Ugh. And also decides that it's not important enough to look into like pretty much everybody else on the ship. Yeah. Except for the cook. The cook is actually worried. Yeah. And rightly so. But of course, we have information that they do not. It's true. One other piece of information that we have that Pollux doesn't necessarily have is that there's something in the vents, though. Because as Pollux is leaving the sleep chamber and about to head to their to their duty, and just as they're noticing that yellow alert, they also get the feeling they're being watched. Yeah. They have that weird, like, I feel like I'm not alone sensation. Yep. And they look back into the room, but all that's there is the, the vent, which is not working. Uh, she actually notes that it's not working and has a little moment where she confirms what we already suspected, that everyone on board the ship knows that Osric is useless at his job. That's actually a line I wrote down going through this chapter. Everybody hates Osric. Yeah, absolutely everybody, everybody on board. And we can touch on that again in a moment, but notices the broken air vent and the and the cot basically and nothing else. But we already knew something was in the in the vents earlier in the book. Yes. Based on the end of this chapter, there might be something else in that vent now. Right? So. We'll, we'll get into that yeah. when we get to that. We then cut to Ensign Reyna at data processing. Yes. Uh, having been called away from her actual job of cleaning up the uh, spacesuits <laughs> over to data processing to fix something. Yeah, Gail is happily processing data. And uh, Valda shows up as well, having thought that maybe there was a reason why he might be needed there as well, because the little emergency was called in. Yeah, well, because he thinks there's something wrong with the data. Yeah, but um, it turns out there was just like a broken USB port. <laughs> yeah, there was a broken port somewhere. Someone tried to fit uh, tab A into slot B and it didn't fit, something yeah. like that. And Reyna gets it fixed in like two seconds. And Gala's like, that's impressive because Osric would still be trying to figure out what tool to use. <laughs> I believe he says uh, which end of the screwdriver he's supposed to be using. Yeah, and uh, yet another person on the crew. In fact, Valda also complains about Osric here. Um, and says to Reyna, like, just FYI, whatever Osric says about you about what happened back in the airlock, you have my report and you'll have Pollux's report backing your story up. So it doesn't matter what he says. Don't worry about it. When we get back to port, 
Yeah. You'll be looked after. The rest of the crew recognizes your value, even if Osric is a jerk. Yeah. And of course, Raina in the back of her head's like, well, I already blew up at him and quit, technically, so... And his report will carry more weight because he's my direct superior. Of course. Yeah. But, I mean, he'll probably be dead by the end of the book, so it doesn't really matter. Anyway. <laughs> um, the other thing is, and this is something Pollux actually mentioned in the earlier part of the chapter, Osric apparently... I don't know if it's just that he's lazy or stodgy, but apparently he lets the ship run down. Like, you need a work order to get anything fixed. So as a maintenance person, he actually is terrible because he's not maintaining anything. He waits till it's broken and someone actively files a report about it before he does anything. Yeah. Whereas Reyna actually seems to want to go around and tinker and fix things yeah. as she notices that there's problems. And apparently Osric hates that. He doesn't want anything to do well, with Well, his it. issue with her is also that she makes improvements and yeah. changes without any kind of approval. Yeah. On the one hand, I get it. You don't want people messing with things and then no one understands how it works, right? Yeah. On the other hand, <laughs> she does know what she's doing. So she's got an affinity for it. Yeah. Even if she comes at it from a slightly outside of the box. Right. Direction. This this feels like two extremes, just button heads in the middle. He needs to loosen up and be better at his job. <laughs> and then maybe she wouldn't be angering him so much and wouldn't worry so much about breaking the rules. It's just interesting to me that he would allow the ship to break before actually doing anything. Like, that demonstrates to me that he is actually t actively terrible at his job. Again, I'm pretty sure I said this in a previous episode. He is all about the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law, right? You must have a work order to get anything done. Well, that's not how maintenance works, right? Maintenance is you fix it before it breaks so that it doesn't break. Yeah, you keep it maintained. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And on a starship especially, that's vitally important. You'd think. Because things like life support can't break. Things like the hull can't break. Or you die. Yes! <laughs> you're, you're in a pressurized <laughs> environment designed to keep everyone alive. Yes! After dealing with the data port, though, uh, Ensign Reyna does meander back to the airlock to finish the job that was left unfinished. Because, of course, Osric didn't finish it. After she stormed off. No, because it's would her he? job to Why do. And Morvin shows up to rub salt in her wounds. Ugh, this guy again. Yeah, he mentions that Osric went off about her behind her back. Of course he did. As soon as she left the galley. So he knows what happened and is like, y you quit. Why are you bothering to do the job? And she's legitimately like, look, I'm not going to leave everyone in a lurch just because I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> My problems with Osric does not affect the rest of the crew, and I can help keep the rest yeah. of the crew alive for the rest of the trip. Also, should not affect the rest of the crew, yeah. right? You don't make it everyone else's problem. Morvin, however, is of the opinion that you should definitely make it everyone else's problem. Yeah, but he's such a jerk. Yeah. She gets a, a good dig in where she reminds him that he's also just an ensign, and he does not take that well. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he's the kind of guy who doesn't like to be reminded that he's not a big shot around the ship. Really? Yeah. I am... So surprised! Yeah, he's a big old jerk. He's a huge jerk. Okay, so this is something I put in my notes at this point, especially because we've had a lot of talk about Osric between our, our characters here. Mm -hmm. He's probably the character we know the best at this juncture. Right? Everyone keeps talking about him. <laughs> All we know is that he's incompetent and a jerk. He is going to fail spectacularly at something really important, right? I mean, I would argue he kind of already has, but... No, like at some point he'll, be a, he'll have to fix something. Very important, very vital, and he'll have to admit that he doesn't know how, or he'll just be terrible at it, 
and it won't fix and like and people will die and people will die at some point he's going to have to admit that reina is better and or smarter than him right i don't know we'll have to wait to see what the trajectory of the story is. i really feel like that's what we're building up to if it happens i will find it very satisfying having had a little bit of time with ensign reina we shift to a new perspective yeah, we we finally get a different POV character. Yes, now we get into Sorrel. Yeah. Who finally is and on his way to the bridge. At least an hour and a half later. Yeah, an hour and a half too late and begins going up the ladder to the flight deck. And this is actually probably the best part of the chapter, I would argue. <laughs> because there is, number one, a lot of information for us to digest. And number two a really good sense of mounting horror as he climbs the ladder yes, and slowly begins to realize something is wrong. Oh God, something is very wrong. Oh God, something is incredibly wrong. Right. As soon as we switch into Sorrel's POV, everything gets really gross. I didn't need to hear about his poop. (laughs) I knew that was already happening. It's fine. Weirdly, that sets the tone for the section though. It does. I know it does. Because the section is... Real gross. It's real gross. So he starts by encountering some blood. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just some drips on the ladder. It's a little slick. He tries to, like, already he's a little off put by that, but he tries to laugh it off. Like, did somebody cut themselves up there? Do you need a first aid kit? Yeah. Like, oh, did somebody get a paper cut? And then there's- More blood. uh, More blood. A lot of blood. A sickening amount of blood. So Uh, he throws up. An arm. An arm. Yeah. So everything just gets real gross. Yeah. And then we start to get, like, horrific descriptions of body parts Yeah, as so he enters the flight deck. He gets on the blood-drenched flight deck, and, like, the first sign that there's dead bodies on the flight deck is the fact that he comes across the pilot's arm. Yeah, just an arm. Is able to identify the pilot based on the patches on the arm. Yes. And then, like, her corpse is the first one that he yeah. encounters. Yeah, and we finally get a name. Yeah, Davenport. Davenport, yes. He also quickly discovers the captain's corpse and Chris's corpse on the flight deck as well. And the interesting thing is that they've been hollowed out. Yeah. So my theory is one of two things. We have a, we have something similar to but legally distinct from alien chest bursters, right? Or our alien has had a feast. I actually think it's probably the former. Possibly, based my, on some of the descriptions, right? Yeah. My thinking is that the alien deposited eggs or young in the corpses and that they've had time to gestate and grow and feast and are now also loose on the ship. And the reason why I think that might be the case is because if the alien's been on the bridge the whole time, and that's that's the implication, we'll get to that, what was watching Pollux from the vent? Right? If there was something there, and I'm inclined to believe there was. Yeah. Right? An alien baby. An alien baby. So... Then there was the, I assume, original alien yeah. still on the bridge, actually sitting in the captain's chair looking like a pillow, Yeah, which I thought was kind of funny. Though that could also be another one of the young, I suppose. It sure could be. Because um, otherwise the alien had to have gotten down to the sleep chamber and been spying on Pollux and then all the way back to the bridge before yeah. Sorrel got there. But why not attack Pollux? Well, the vent might not have been open. Oh my God, is the rash keeping her safe? Also, the vent might not have been open. It got into the vent somehow. Yes, right? but but the vent is open on the flight deck. And if the flight decks just become a little nest, that's how other creatures could be getting into the flight no, no. Deck, into the vents. But how did it get into the vent in the first place? Because oh. they opened the vent on the flight deck. Oh yeah, someone put it in there. Uh, like we already posited earlier on, the, the creature's not there by chance. 
Someone brought that thing on board and released it into the vents. Yeah. The murderer who's on board is responsible for the creature being on board. So what you're saying is our alien is, in fact, our murder weapon. Yeah. I, okay. I posited okay. that in, like, chapter one or two. Yeah, but that was that weeks this ago is, for me. That this is, <laughs> this is Professor Plum in the library with an alien. <laughs> with an alien. Yes. We just don't know who Professor Plum or where the library is. Yeah. Yet. That's all. Okay. So our chapter ends very abruptly with Sorrel... Switching to red alert. Yes. He clearly, there's there is an issue and he goes to red yeah, alert. Yeah, he switches to red alert. The intercom button is stuck. Because it's all covered in blood. Yeah. Then he sees the pillow slash alien, opens his mouth to scream, and jams the intercom button. I don't know if he actually screams. I don't know if the intercom works. And I am like 99% sure he is dead now. Oh yeah, no, Sorrel 100% is is dead as of the end of this chapter. Yeah. We had posited that he might be dead as, at the end of last chapter if that was the last we ever saw of him. It's true. He's definitely dead now. If the next chapter opens with him like running and screaming from the flight deck, I will be surprised. The real question is did the intercom work? And I don't did know. he and did he scream because that will definitely alert the crew that something's up. At the very least, we're now at red alert. Yes, so everyone can start paying attention. <laughs> yes, and figuring out that something's wrong. Will they figure out the captain is dead? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I feel like now we're ready for all of the scary action to start. Yeah, we've definitely set the table, and now it's time to eat. Yeah, exactly. We've. I, I feel like we've been given all the information we need to understand what's going on, and now things are going to start happening. For sure. Like, the adventure things are going to start happening. We have our cast of characters. We have our setting. We have our tone. I think we're off to the races now. Here's a good question for you. Mm. Who's the ranking officer left on board? Oh, that's a good question. If the captain is dead, and the pilot is dead, and Sorrel is dead, and we get the impression that Sorrel was a ranking officer of some kind, are Pollux, Gala, Valda, or Osric the next in charge? I don't know. I really hope it's not Osric. Because they'll all die if it's Osric. I actually, I actually suspect it might be Pollux who's the next ranking officer. It might be Pollux. I hope it's the cook. <laughs> Neil? <laughs> Neil is the next highest ranking officer? I think that would be great. Hard to say. I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Perhaps we'll find out, assuming that the crew finds out the captain is dead, as we move into chapter six. Yes. Which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. Uh, in the meantime, some great... Documentary films are on their way to Edmonton as part of an upcoming festival, and Anita is going to tell you all about them. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by the Northwest Fest International Documentary Festival, running in cinema from May 6th to the 14th and online from May 5th to 15th. NWF is thrilled to finally be able to bring the festival back to Metro Cinema this year with an outstanding lineup of some of the year's best docs. And a few fun surprises. This year's festival is a hybrid affair with over 20 films screening at Metro Cinema, including the acclaimed Nick Cave music doc, This Much I Know To Be True, along with dozens of feature and short films screening online. Award-winning filmmaker Alexandra O. Felipe will also be in town to present his filmmaking masterclass. This event will be open to the public and is an absolute must for anyone who's ever dreamed of making their own film. Check out the full Northwest Fest film lineup and purchase all access passes or single tickets at northwestfest.ca. 
Yeah, Northwest Fest. I had to warm up my tongue to say Northwest Fest a, bit a of bunch a of times. Yeah. Definitely a great local festival. Film festivals happen all over the place. Oh, yeah. They're so, great. Uh, you, even if you're not able to make it to Northwest Fest here in Edmonton because you're further afield, check out your, your local independent theaters. They'll have film festivals coming their way, too. You'll uh, have an opportunity yeah. to see something there. Probably even some of the films that are showing at Northwest Fest. Actually. And honestly, uh, NWF can't be the only one that's doing a hybrid model. Yeah. You could, in theory, attend a film festival on the other side of the country. Yeah, the other actually, side of the world. having said that, because there is the virtual element to Northwest Fest this year, you could tune in, even if you were far away. Yeah. So, uh, something to check out. Another thing to check out, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Sure. You can find out more about the network and all the member podcasts. Definitely some that will be worth your time. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you can download them on your podcatcher of choice. That's probably also where you're catching our pod. You could give us a little rating and a review. Oh, we'd like that. Yeah, we'd like that a lot. We'd also like to hear from you on social media. Absolutely. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. The big three and the bookish one. We are at the read-along on most of them. Yeah, you can also get in touch with us via email. Absolutely. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Please rest if you are unwell. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.